You're listening to Texas Slim's Vision, where we discuss food intelligence, the Texas Beef Initiative, and how to design an international lifestyle starting right here, right now. You don't want to miss this. And now, here's your host, Texas Slim. Hey guys, this is Texas Slim with the Texas Beef Initiative and Texas Slim's Vision. Uh, we're reaching out today. I believe today's a Saturday. We have a special guest. This kind of got scheduled back in July. And um, I'm here with Kit at Kit Sats. She works for Bitcoin Magazine. You guys know her. You see her all over the place. She's got a beautiful smile, big, beautiful eyes. And she's actually pretty, living a pretty cool life. So I want you to welcome Kit. And uh, we're going to talk about a little lifestyle, a little digital nomad traveling, what's going on in the Bitcoin space over there at Bitcoin Magazine, and uh, what we can look forward to. Hey, Kit, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a bad date. I actually uh, asked you on this in July, right? <laughs> yeah, back in July. I've been excited to come on, but you've been doing so much good work. So I'm really excited for you. Well, I appreciate that. It kind of just took off, which is good because the signal got picked up. I think a lot of people are kind of looking at the food again and everything and, you know, starting to pay attention and bringing maybe the thought of decentralized food into the decentralized world of Bitcoin. It kind of just makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It really, really does. Um, we're starting to see a lot more, I don't know what to call it, fake food, like fake protein. Um, sure. Yeah. I call it all fake commodity food because that's how they treat it as a commodity that is, has no value, but they insert it in everything that we consume. So it's like a fake commodity market, which causes us to have horrible metabolical health and exactly. st- instead of getting to the source of the seed of our nutrition and our protein, you know, they're trying to steal that from us because we all know protein makes us powerful and all of us Bitcoin or Bitcoiners are very powerful. So we've got to fight for this. Yeah, you become what you eat. Like it. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, you you went on a road trip this uh, summer, and that's what you know. I started paying attention to you whenever you were doing your road trip. Uh, it reminded me back in the day whenever I was traveling around the United States. I used to work up in Maine and Vermont, and I did work in Colorado too. I'd take like a month to get up to Maine, and I would just like camp out, you know, go through the Appalachians, the Smoky Mountains. I'd go out to the beaches. I'd go through the Adirondacks, just traveling around the United States. And hopefully everybody's starting to dream about that again. I could tell that you kind of have some wanderlust. You're kind of like a little gypsy, it looks like. So tell us about your trip because you had some beef yeah. pictures in there. So that's, you know, that's why I kind of yeah. like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm a lifestyle blogger. I've been blogging since 2016. And um, I've I've been networking and um, met one of my best friends through it. She's a travel blogger. And so she's kind of gotten me into um, traveling a little bit more. But we did a road trip for an entire month together. She flew into Colorado um, and we went to Utah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico and Arizona. We just went in one big circle. Um, so we hit a lot of really unique spots. Uh, one of my favorite spots in Utah that we went to is Goblin Valley. And there's Mm -hmm. just these really cool rock formations. And, um, I actually made her listen to the Bitcoin standard when we were driving, which was really fun. And she just got on Swan yesterday. So I'm really excited for her to get on the Bitcoin journey with me. 
Um, but yeah, we we went and uh, saw a bunch of hot springs in Idaho. That was one of the highlights. Um, it was at Redfish River Inn, and down the road from there, there was these like cauldrons that you. Uh, there was a pipe that uh, put hot water out, uh-huh. and then you also had a bucket in the river to kind of even out the temperature of the water. And right. you just like sat in this really cool cauldron-looking thing. Yeah, um, so we we hit all the Instagrammable spots for sure. Um, and then Arizona, of course, we went to Sedona. We did a Jeep tour and uh, that was pretty cool. Um, our our host for it showed us um, witching sticks, which you like walk around with and you can, yeah. like, there's like different things it picks up underneath the ground and, it, you know. Yeah, that's how they used to find cool. water, right? They used to find mm-hmm. water with witching sticks and people say, oh, no, nah, it's not right. I kind of believe it. It's kind of fun to try at least, right? It is. It was really cool. Um, And it worked. You just like loosely hold the, I don't know if it was what type of metal it was, but I think it was copper and Uh it picks it up. So it was pretty cool. Cool. Um, Lots of sightseeing. Uh, We didn't do too much hiking because we went to a bunch of restaurants as well. Like you mentioned, um, I had a lot of steak. (laughs) It was really nice. Um, I also do like food photography for a bunch of restaurants. Um, oh, kind of so that's why. Yeah, that's why those <laughs> pictures were so damn good. Yeah, yeah. I'm a photographer more more so. Sometimes I'll I'll write blog posts on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not just strictly like an Instagrammer. I actually have a website, um, but I'm not as consistent on that right now. Yeah, you're kind of you kind of immersed in your new uh, new thing going on. But we'll get to that later. What made you? Uh, have you always been a road tripper? Is that something you always wanted to do? Wonderlust? Yeah, I've always enjoyed driving. I feel like in another lifetime, I might have been a truck driver because I <laughs> love driving. I can go up to like 12 hours and then yeah. I'll go, you know, go a little bit further, but I know that I shouldn't. <laughs> but it's fun yeah not to not to compare anything my first trip up to maine i was so excited i was pretty young i think i made uh i drove for 23 hours and because it was just you know i was free i was like here we go you know and i was i was young and i what i I had a job up in maine on mount desert island and uh it was really cool is in a place called uh northeast harbor and you have bar harbor bahaba up there in maine and uh there's a Cadillac Mountains there is the first place you see the sunrise in the continental United States. So I had all this, these dreams in my head. I was young and everything. And so what I, what I did, I drove 23 hours straight and I said, Oh, we got to slow down a bit. You got to see, you know, what you're driving through first. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I've I've driven the longest I've driven is about 26 hours from Colorado to Virginia. It's really. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's a blast. I mean, especially if you just, if you know how to road trip, I think that's what we're missing. Uh, what we've kind of missed out on. Everybody thinks we have to be a world traveler these days, but man, United States, road tripping across the United States is awesome. It's beautiful. Every turn is like just this massive view. And you know what it is? It's it's a good touch of reality that most people out there that you come across when you're road tripping, they're based. They're, you know, they're good people. You know, you separate from this damn matrix, you know, metaverse that we're living in right now. 
you do find out you find some great characters you find some great traditions of you know you know driving through the navajo reservations in new mexico is just absolutely beautiful and you stop at the roadsides and you just meet all these kind of cool people and you can say that for anywhere from the mississippi delta all the way through the hot springs of idaho you know traveling route 66 from chicago all the way out to you know California. I live in, I was, I was born and raised right about not 15 miles from route 66. And if you take that road, you could still do it for the most part. Some of it's interstate, but man, it's just a, it's a fun, you get these 1950s uh, hotels that you can st still stay at. And so um, y'all made it kind of a big loop, right? You just did a big yes. circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you, you're, you're in Colorado right now. Is that yes, where you're about to dock I'm in, you? <laughs> um, southwest of Denver right now. I, when I first moved here like two years ago, I moved in with my uh, college roommate up in Fort Collins. And mm -hmm. then I accidentally moved to Aurora. I didn't really know um, <laughs> that area. And right. I didn't have Oops. a very, um, <laughs> yeah, I moved on Colfax Avenue. And if people know that area, they know that that's not it. <laughs> nope. And so... Um, now I'm in Littleton, so I really like where I'm at. Um, I can see mountains from my window and horses across the street, and I have some nice walking trails. So it's really beautiful out here now. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I see a lot of your pictures. It looks like you have pretty fun weekends and everything. You can just like step out a little bit and kind of get some meditation going on, right? Exactly. I, I do. I go out 20 minute drive. I'm right in the mountains um, looking at amazing views. And I like to do like Wim Hof breathing exercises when I get to the top of the mountain and meditate. Talk about that. Uh, a lot of people probably have heard of Wim Hof. I do Wim Hof uh, right now. Um, yeah, I've been doing it for years and years. I used to do some freshwater diving and everything. And uh, I like to hold my breath for a long time. So uh, when, you know, I think Wim Hof, probably about four years. When did you get into it? About three years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, I started my, or 2017, I started going down like a spiritual rabbit hole and um, a lot of people have referenced him. So I checked him out and I, I love his breathing exercises. You really yeah. build it up and you feel just like more one with yourself. Yeah, it really gets you centralized and kind of based. I, I do, I do breathe. I don't do it, do it every day, of course, but you know, um, every morning when I do it, it's it's a it's a no brainer that you're just more clear for the rest of the day. You've got you got more energy because um, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I do like a eighteen six usually. It just fits my schedule, and so I do the the breathing, and then I do you know intermittent fasting, of course, with just a lot of solid protein. I've never felt better in my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel a world difference when I meditate and do the breathing exercises. It it just compounds over time and like your um, just your whole being becomes you can control it a little bit more because you can go back to those breathing exercises in moments of stress. Yeah, I think a lot of people get confused about what meditation is. You know, I think it's been hijacked and and people kind of, you know, frown upon it or, you know, whatever the the self-help crap industry that's just kind of exploited what meditation truly is mm -hmm. yeah i feel like a lot of people think it's yoga too and that yoga is kind of it but it's not really that's kind of a, a workout you know right right meditation is just more focusing on your um controlling your thoughts letting your thoughts 
come in and out and realizing that you can accept a thought or you can reject a thought. Um, a lot of that. You know, people don't realize it's like a lot of times we're talking about driving and road trip and, you know, sometimes a good road trip is the best meditation you can have. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. You can think a lot on that trip and uh-huh. it just kind of energizes you because you're just looking at nature and you're exploring new places and it's getting your, uh, your brain active. And you, people, if, if they, if they put it into perspective and, you know, people drive, have to drive to work, have to drive a lot of places. And if you want to look at meditation, it's the best form of meditation. Like when you're driving, even to work, if you, if you frame it right in your own mind, you can meditate at any time at any place. And that's how you deal with stress. If people are stressed in the world right now. And, you know, that's what I think is lost upon, you know, all these people that are looking into meditation, they don't realize, Hey man, you do it every day. You just not realizing it. So create a new signal in your head and you're going to go, Oh, okay. I see what you're talking about here. You know, yeah, you're, you're training your brain, which is a big muscle. Mm-hmm. And you're just, it, 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 it's really helpful to become more positive. Like, yeah, everyone's gonna have negative thoughts. Those aren't necessarily ever going to go away, but the way that you react to those thoughts, um, meditation helps you learn how to react in a positive way to those negative thoughts. Yeah, it gets you based. I mean, it really does. You're not as reactionary. You're, you're able to say, hey, you know, take a three second pause here. Let's let's look at the situation or this emotion, you know, and see why I'm feeling this. And should I be reacting to it? Should it be proactive in a different direction? You know, yeah, I can let that go. You know, you I don't also, need it. You can also use it to like fall asleep as well, too. Like I started to get into it a lot because um of sleep problems. Right. And I got really good at it and I could fall asleep on a plane in three minutes. How do you do that? What's the secret? Um, so I do counting exercises. Um, so I'll count, um, to like five and then like, so I'd be like, breathe in for 10 seconds mm-hmm. so you breathe in, and then you pause and hold it and then you release it and you kind of do like five rounds of that. And then um, it like it starts to signal to your brain, like once you start doing that as well, too, um, with the with different counting and breathing exercises. And over time, you just get used to it and your brain like gets activated to be like, okay, now it's time to fall asleep because we did our like breathing exercise. And I I actually have a podcast, uh, Cosmic Cloud Meditations, that I started in the pandemic that has some breathing exercises. There's some different ones in there, too. I have one that's called Honoponopono, and that's an inner child meditation. So you can, like, work through past traumas, things like that with meditation as well, too, to, like, you know, imagine yourself with your younger self and just give yourself love and heal that little child. And I think that that's a lot what's, uh, we'll talk about um, relationships probably a little bit later, right. um, but it helps with that a lot. So where did you learn how to do that? Are you self-taught or did you, uh, how did you go down th- that rabbit hole of basically learning how to inner engineer yourself? Because a lot of people don't even know what that means to inner engineer. And I think we're missing out a lot of it. And I think we should talk more about it because it helps us even, you know, with Bitcoin world, decentralization thought uh, from diets to, you know, eating whole foods, everything that we're doing here in this space, how did you get there? 
Yeah, so I grew up Catholic and I went through all of the <laughs> CD like um, after school programs. I even got confirmed, but I ne it never resonated with me. So it took me a while after college and I was craving that feeling um, of just like being closer to God, universe, all of that. Um, and I, I was interested in what spirituality was. I wasn't, I had no idea what it was. And so I used YouTube a lot and I found a lot of different coaches um, that dis discuss it. And I read a lot of blog posts and I read a few different books that people were recommending to me. Um, one of my favorite ones is Aaron Dottie um, on YouTube. He's actually kind of how I got into Bitcoin. Um, sort of. Uh, I had heard about it a few years ago, but then he mentioned it again, like on his Instagram stories randomly one day. And I'm like, well, this is kind of crazy. Um, I've been following him for three years and he's never mentioned that. And what he teaches, like spirituality is a lot of like healing yourself. So like health, wealth, love, things like that. Um, and learning how to like attract it into your life in a, in a healthy manner. And so it was interesting that he mentioned it um, the time that he did, because it was in the crash of the April 2020 timeframe. Mm -hmm. And that's when I hopped on it. So that was that was interesting that he's teaching how to bring certain things into your life. And then I stumble upon Bitcoin in that manner. Wow. <laughs> so that was like a one two punch then and all at the same time. Right. <laughs> it's probably pretty powerful, actually. Uh, everybody's got their story. I was talking to Nanya Business today and, uh, you know, Ben 777, but uh, we were talking about that. Everybody has their little thing that, you know, triggers their awareness into, you know, the rabbit hole, as we call it. So that's pretty cool that you were kind of doing spirituality and Bitcoin. I think there's a hidden little meaning there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I fell down two rabbit holes all at once. Oh. And it was, it's, it's terrifying because, you know, well, it's not terrifying, but it's like a lot of emotions all at first because you know how screwed up the monetary system is. That's a big smack in the face. But thank, thank God for Bitcoin because there's a solution to the problem. Um, but also with spiritual awakening, you think that it's all like, um, you know, happy and rainbows and clouds and whatnot, but it's, it's your ego dying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, surrendering, saying goodbye, goodbye, ego. Yes. My dad was a counselor. He always says, you know, acceptance is the key. You know, once you can accept anything and everything, then everything is nothing and then you can be everything. So, you know, it, it's a tough place to get to. Yeah. Like, whoa, easy hair. Yeah, we got to slow down here a bit. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm kind of I'm laughing because, yeah, Bitcoin rabbit hole and spirituality and inner engineering all at the same time. You're going to have to write a book on that one. Kit. Sorry. I think that people you'll be able to reflect back on that after all this really, you know, we everybody the world finds out about Bitcoin because we're the front runners. So and so that'll be interesting to hear that. So I'm going to hold oh, you yeah. to that one. <laughs> I will. I will. I've been thinking about that, writing a, a story. Really? about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you should. I think it's that the timing is right. So, you know, it's time to do it. So you were doing that. You were blogging. You're being a digital nomad. You were being, you know, your meditation. You were doing photography. So did you reach out to Bitcoin Magazine first or did they reach out to you? 
Oh, CK actually reached out to me on Twitter, which is hilarious because all I did at that period of time was shit post and post like <laughs> the laughing memes with the laser eyes and everything. Right. Um, so at first they just, CK reached out about me being on the podcast for Bitcoin magazine. And uh -huh. then um, over, I don't know, three weeks later, he reached out to me about a social media position. He saw my blog and everything. And uh, I was like, yeah, let's go, let's do it. So I was uh, managing the Instagram account on the Bitcoin magazine side for a while as a full-time contractor. Right. And I, I loved it. It's really great, like learning all about it as you're posting about it. Um, and then I was working in IT as well at the same time. And I wanted to leave that, um, uh, you know how like social, <laughs> you you know, cor corporate slavery <laughs> there you go so we, we were talking about this earlier so what were you doing and i i want to hear the story because i'm going to follow it up with something yeah so i went to james madison university got um, business management and computer information systems and then from that i was help desk for a little bit did business analyst work um, got into like government contracting at that point because I, I grew up in Virginia. So I went to Northern Virginia to stay close to my family and my parents. And from that, um, I left that business analyst position to go work at General Dynamics for a little bit as an IT project manager. So that was kind of like my end to that upper management level. And then from that contract, um, I went and worked at United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, which I thought was really cool because you're helping people um, like refugees that are like asylum people who need to be saved from like other countries and brought into the yeah. United States. So it gives like a, a meaning and a purpose to your life. But also that part of the government also um, they don't take taxes since they do immigration forms. That's where they kind of get all of their money. So I thought that that was pretty cool too, that like, oh, you know, part of the government actually is, you know, pro getting profits and not having to just take our taxes to do something. Right. So I liked all of that about it. Um, and that gave a little bit more job security as well too. So whenever like the government shut down as a government contractor, I wouldn't get laid off or furloughed or whatnot. Sure. Um, but it was long hours and I, I wasn't really super passionate about the work, even though it was like a good cause. Um, mm -hmm. It's I don't know. I just I didn't like going into work. It was like, you know, you can it just, say it. You can say it was it was what it was a uh, soul sucking. Yeah. Soul sucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really was. Yeah, and Sorry, guys, if any of you out there are IT project managers, I'm right. just we're, we're bonding here because I was that's better. how I yeah, I got I got started in uh, technology. I, I did a lot of IT project management at first and um, I was overly good at it, which sucked because then I got better at it. But it led me into research and analysis. But it was it's so searching it is such a boxed in walled garden of space in your own head that it just it, it's hard to explain unless you've been there so yeah if anybody's yeah. thinking about getting into it project management don't do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't do it i would i like being a business analyst that part sure. was fine 
like oh, yeah. The yeah. gathering requirements and building systems and putting together mock-ups and things. That was fun. But right. the IT project management part isn't fun. It's kind of like boot camp, really, you know, because you are you're paying attention to detail. You're having to learn. You're having to, you know, you're having to direct a project. So you yeah. gotta do your discovery, your define, you gotta do your proof of work, your your non-proof of work, you got your gotchas, and you know, you go through yeah. the whole process. So the government side, it can be even harder because not all the government organizations are like friendly with each other. So if you need data from someone else, it could it cause my project to be blocked for an entire year. So every time I got on a phone call, I had to tell the client that we're still blocked because you guys won't give us certain data. Kind of it like wasn't how- even sensitive data. It was like I it was like an ID for a job. Sure. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's just like the CIA and the FBI. That's how they work. So it's like yeah, this you know, was ICE. Right. Yeah. There you have it right there. And it, it is, it's such a bureaucratic process. It just, it doesn't, there's no logic there. Right. There really isn't. It's just, you know, they're, they're a bunch of digital serfs. <clears throat> we know it, we're calling them out. So that's, that's what it is. So you chose not to be a digital surf anymore. And so. That's you, right. I actually quit my job without having a job and I moved to Colorado. That's how bad it was. <laughs> really? Is that what it was? That was the catalyst of, you know, so yeah. that's awesome. And what, what was the final, why did you do it? How did you grow the way of us and do it? Um, my boss was um, being like bullying me and not just me, a lot of other people too. Cause at first I was like, Oh, was, you know, but I talking to my supervisor, like also, uh, you know, kind of figured out that it wasn't just me. And that was definitely, I wasn't going to put up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he like just talked down to me saying like, uh, I wasn't like good at like elevator pitches. And then he also like called me retarded, but he didn't think I knew the name that he was referencing. I don't know <laughs> if anyone knows it, but like ding fries are done. Yeah. And if he's watching this, whatever, I'm kind of over it, but that's why I left, you know, wow. like you can't just say that to people. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. He probably thought I was way younger than I am because I mm-hmm. look younger, but right. I knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> inappropriate it just that on top of the workload and everything that I was doing like I I felt I was a different person for sure like I was definitely upper management I like took control of all the situations had my project um you know squared away but I like where I'm at now. It's so much better. Well, I mean, you closed the door and many other doors opened up for you. That's yeah. everybody. You know, I think whenever you did this before Bitcoin, right? Yes. Before you, so yeah, but, before I knew about Bitcoin or like remembered about Bitcoin again, I had first touch point in 2014 at a party. My friend was buying yeah. some drugs off his Silk Road, of course. And I was yeah. like, are you sure about that? <laughs> right. And I got interested. I couldn't figure out how to buy it, though. Yeah, a lot of people think, well, I should have got into it back then. Well, it was pretty difficult, no matter who you were. And it wasn't all that secure. You really had to put a you had to put some damn time into being able to access it and securing it. So, you know, those are whatever. Those are just we all we have we've all had those moments where we say, oh, I should have got into it. But um, so tell me about what's going on with bitcoin magazine because you started out with a certain position and now you're doing something else and i want to hear i want to hear what's going on with you but i want to hear what you think is going on with bitcoin magazine why it's so important and where you see your place into the magazine 
Yeah, so I started off on Bitcoin Magazine side and they're doing some really amazing things. We just got our print magazine out. Um, we're gonna, I think they're internationally shipping now. And it's the El Salvador edition, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of that when I go into Nashville for the all hands in January. Um, but I think it, it's important to get that out there, all of the information. Um, mm. People need to know that Bitcoin's starting to get adapted in these countries. And their team is just killing it. You know, the Twitter right. is blowing up, the Instagram is doing really good. Um, they are getting like just bullish quotes out there um, and the information quickly too. Like they have a really good news team on that side. Right. And then, so I'm on the conference side right now and that's really exciting because our mission on the conference side is hyper-Bitcoinization. Mm -hmm. And we just want to make Bitcoin really easy to understand and um, to have people be able to figure out how to implement it in, into their lives and how to use it. Right. Um, you, you talk about implementing into your lives. I think that's been kind of something that's holding people back. It's that intimidation factor. Uh, you know, I've got the Texas Beef Initiative that we're doing right now. And uh, whenever I was in Austin last week, I met up with uh, Michael with OSHI app. And um, what we've done is we're talking to cattle ranchers in the state of Texas and we're onboarding cattle ranchers and what happened in Austin this week was awesome. Michael with uh, OSHIAP and Marty Bent went out to the cattle rancher that I was talking with and uh, Marty bought his the first beef in the state of Texas with the OSHIAP with Bitcoin. So wow. you guys need to, you, Bitcoin Magazine needs to kind of get onto that and see how it's, it, there's something going on down there in Austin with the OSHI app and onboarding all these, uh, these beef suppliers, because what, Absolutely. because the, uh, the beef suppliers basically, you know, they, they've already been in a decentralized world for a long time. They try to stay away from the centralization of our food supply as much as possible because they're doing organic grass fed beef for the most part, you know, that's, that's their agenda. A lot of them are Bitcoiners and they don't even know it. And so we've got a huge, you know, initiative like about to like really explode down here in the state of Texas. So, so let's get that signal over to Austin and the Bitcoin uh, plebs down there, the Capital Factory. There's so much cool stuff going on. So I just wanted to give that plug real quick. <laughs> but, yeah, so yeah, that's important. That's that's what we want to do. We want to spread this information and we want to educate people. That's like, yeah. And a big part of our website and a lot of the articles that we put out there. Yeah, because my platform is probably going to be launching uh, Texas Beef Initiative is going to be launching this week. So uh, we're we're in partnership with the OSHI app. And I mean, I'm my stuff is blowing up. Everybody's like, how can we onboard people? And so they're going to have a block party. I think you probably have heard it uh, December 2nd down on Rainy Street in Austin. And uh, Kyle Murphy and the the, the Bitcoin Lab in the uh, the Capital Factory, all those guys have you know it's going to be pretty big. I think you guys are going now. I th I think I heard a rumor that you guys are going to be represented or something. I don't, I don't know. Have you heard? 
I haven't yet, but I'll definitely bring that up with them. That sounds yeah. like a good opportunity there. Yeah, what they're doing is they're onboarding restaurants and bars and everything on this one entertainment district in Austin called Rainy Street. And so I think they've already got between 12 and 20 restaurants and bars onboarded. People are actually using Bitcoin in Austin, Texas right now. So, wow. Yeah. I and, love this timeline. It's just, just an exciting time to be alive. It really is. I, I remember because I'm a little bit, I'm Gen X and everything. I remember when we were in the software world and everything. This feels a lot like that during the startup days, the true startup days where a lot of innovation was going on. When I was in Austin and I'm up in Northwest Texas now, this is my home base, but I go to Austin all the time. I felt an energy in Austin I haven't seen in a long time. And it, I think it's it's about to explode in a lot of ways that uh, we've been kind of waiting for. And we're not sitting around anymore. We're just going to say, OK, we're going to make it happen. The proof of work is coming. So, yeah. And I see you guys, you know, is it hard being Bitcoin magazine and the conference? Do you guys have to really kind of wade through all the LARPy and charlatans and all that kind of crap to get the source of what Bitcoin is, because that's a tough thing you guys have to balance because, you know, there's a lot of opinions in Bitcoin. There's a lot of people that are very strong opinionated on who's a true Bitcoiner. You know, what is the philosophy of Bitcoin magazine and what is, you know, how do you carry your philosophy into it? Yeah, we're Bitcoin only. Mm -hmm. uh, we, that's what we focus on and we bring on people who have the same philosophy as well as that. Um, we believe that Bitcoin's for everybody because it is. And um, so we don't like uh, censor anyone, but we do focus on the topic of just Bitcoin. Um, so we vet people out. Like we have a whole ag team, ag news team that vets people out, um, researches and does um does overtime work, you know, to right. make sure that it's continuous news. And we're continuing, we're hiring um, in Ukraine right now, in Russia, we're trying to spread internationally right now as well to keep growing and spread the good word of Bitcoin. That's cool. Where, where's Bitcoin Magazine out of? Is it, our, is there a headquarters or is it all? We're head, yeah, we're um, headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. I've um, flown out there twice and it's always been really fun to hang out with everyone. Uh, how, how was your time in Nashville? Is it, is it still fun or is it kind of a tourist trap? Um, it, I guess, I guess <laughs> it could be a tourist trap. We're like in the office most of the day. And then afterwards, uh, we've gone to some fun, like bars afterwards, we're playing bowling. And then the last time I went down there, we went down downtown where it gets kind of crazy. So that was fun. Cause I never go out to bars or right. um, any of that anymore. Sure. So that was, it was fun to walk around and see how crazy it is. Um, there was like hundreds and hundreds of people that streets were closed off. Um, so back to normal. Right. Wow. Um, let's talk about lifestyle. Um, what kind of, what do you see your lifestyle? You're going to, you're going to make Bitcoin your life. Of course, you're, in, you're embedded in it. You're embedded into the, the delivery of the message and of the philosophy. How do you see that really playing out? You know, being part of something like Bitcoin magazine is going to be around for a while. It's definitely going to survive. It's going to grow. It's going to get pretty huge. And I think you guys can sense that being inside of it and in everything that's going on internally. How do you see yourself growing with Bitcoin along with your career that you've chosen? 
Yeah, I'm super excited. I actually thought Bitcoin Magazine was way bigger than it was when I right. started. When I came on, um, it was like 30 people, and I guess they had ha- they had had some people before, um, and then did uh, you know after the crash and everything, they had to lay off some people. So, but now we're back up to like 80 employees or so, and. Um, I love running ads like it kind of really aligns with my blog and like what I was doing a lot over there. Um, And every time I run an ad or like post something online, it gives me joy that like someone's going to read and learn more about Bitcoin and be able to share that out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, strategically picking hashtags that reach more people. Um, So I feel like growing in this marketing position is kind of where I want to go. Right now I'm I'm working with um, a, a few, just two other people on the marketing team. So I feel like there's definitely a bunch of growth to hire other people and, you know, become into like a, a you know, manage more of a director role or something like that when you know, George is our director right now. Um, and so maybe like helping him out a little bit more. Right. And I, it's just really fun. I really love my coworkers. And, you know, I, I could say that, about some of my past jobs, but it's on a whole different level. It feels like I'm just hanging out with them all the time because I get on Twitter and we're all just like so obsessed with such a good mission to try yeah. to like spread Bitcoin across the world so everyone can have money that gives value to their time. Like they can, you can, you can store it in Bitcoin and it's not going to debase like the U.S. currency is right now. That's a that's a good lead in to uh, do. You, do you guys get paid Bitcoin? <laughs> we get bonuses in Bitcoin. I've gotten two bonuses so far, so that's pretty fun. Otherwise, I get fiat so I can pay my bills. Right, and that's kind of the conundrum we're all in. Right, it's like mm-hmm. we want to just uh, ha- not have to do that anymore. We just want to get into the Bitcoin standard, one hundred percent. So do you feel like uh, being in, cause you're in a corporate job, you, well, it's not a corporate job. It's a Bitcoin job, of course, but you know, it, it is the fiat world. It has to battle. It has to work. It has to thrive in the fiat world as a business. Do you feel like, cause I've had this question because a lot of people that are in these successful Bitcoin companies can kind of catch a lot of crap because you know, it's, it's not hundred percent Bitcoin. Do you find that it's hard to kind of balance that as far as really pursuing Bitcoin, the philosophy, the education, but still having to play in the fiat world as much as you have to, because the adoption is just not quite there yet? Yeah, definitely. So we have to be really careful who we interact with, because a lot of people have opinions of other people. And Uh then especially because eventually everyone's going to be a Bitcoiner, you know, everyone's going to be a maxi because yeah, everything else is trending to zero against it. So it is a very difficult period of time right now because a lot of people are messing with altcoins and shit coins. And um, Mm -hmm. we still want them to come in and talk about Bitcoin though um, and give their opinion and, you know, also try to educate them a little bit more also, uh, especially some people who have like influence and reach. Right. And as far as whenever you guys are screening somebody to maybe do an article or anything, do you really, I mean, do you have a standard to say, hey, we're only going to talk about Bitcoin. We're not even going with these this, this NFT stuff. We're not going with this shitcoin stuff. Don't even bring it into this space because if you do, you're going to get blackballed forever. Do you uh, yeah, all, absolutely. You yep. do? Yeah. Okay. 100%. All right. 
yeah i got a little bit more respect now so <laughs> yes <laughs> bitcoin well, only that's awesome and you know that's kind of i think that's a standard that we all have to set i think that tolerance has been hijacked as well and it's time to really not tolerate any type of because it is it's it you're being complicit in the fiat world because of the fiat because if you deal with shit coins and nfts all that kind of stuff that's over on that other side they are the enemy they are in it it, it it works against bitcoin now but really in the long run it favors bitcoin of course we know that because it's going to be a big black hole that just sucks up everything that they thought they were making as value so i just can't wait for that day you know i remember during the dot-com boom and the dot-com bust and to put a comparison, you know, everybody thought that if you had a dot com, you were going to be a millionaire. You know, all these companies that had no infrastructure on the internet, they didn't know anything about the internet or anything. So you had a lot, you had a, you know, you had a big bubble. So, well, guess what? And this is what's going to happen. I'm calling it right now with the shit coins and everything that we have in crypto is it's going to be the same thing as the dot com boom and bust. And almost overnight during the dot com boom and bust, 1.7 trillion dollars was lost almost overnight and if you compare that to now that would be about three to four trillion dollars it happened it's going to happen again so a lot of people don't know that they need to read up on the dot-com boom and the dot-com bust history a little bit if you want to play around with all those shit coins yeah they are talking about history people just you know, they need to go back and review history of different countries, of currencies, the internet, and just kind of review everything because people forget or like they hear it and they don't like really understand what it means. Because I feel like I've, I've learned history in school, but, you know, you don't really understand like how money affected history so much. They don't focus on that a lot in, in history class. Oh, no, they keep us totally ignorant, you know, about any, anything that has to do with any type of monetary value or devalue or deception. It's just not allowed, you know, an education system. We know why, of course, because <laughs> yeah, they're making too powerful. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as far as that, I think it's time that we, you know, um, as far as that, what are you guys doing on the conference side right now? Because you said conference. Is that like the Miami conference? What is, what's going on? Yes. Yeah. Um, so it, Bitcoin 2022 is going to take place on April 6th through 9th at the Miami Beach um, Convention Center. Right. And the convention center is a lot bigger than last year. Um, we're expecting thousands of people there um, more than last year. Um, and so we have four packed days of Bitcoin content, um, speakers and performers, and we've got an industry day, two main conference days, and we've got the world's first Bitcoin themed music festival, Sound Money Fest, which is gonna be on the last day. Cool. Super excited for that. We just announced to headline our logic. Uh -huh. They're gonna be playing there. Um, and it's just about educating people about Bitcoin and celebrating it. Um, and we're hoping, and it's going to be like the biggest uh, Bitcoin event in history. So it's definitely something to check out. I think it's going to. Last year we had the vid and everything, so everybody was restricted and stuff like that. One thing we do not have right now, which sucks for people that are not in the States, is they can't fly in the United States if they're not vaccinated. 
you know, that that's horrible. I, you know, I was just talking, talking with a uh, Princey on one spit and uh, a couple of days ago, we did a cast, you know, okay. and he, he, did you hear that one? I did. Yeah. Oh, cool. Good. Yeah. And you know, he's got, he's got his children and, you know, he's a good traveler, you know, he's an international traveler. And for the think that all these good Bitcoiners that are not going to be able to participate right now, because they're taking a stand against the PSYOP and this propaganda that sucks. And, you know, um, I guess you guys are going to have a lot of good, you know, streaming stuff for people that yeah. can't, you know, I think yeah. it is going to be the biggest one yet. So that's going to be pretty cool. We're hoping that um, we're going to be working at getting streaming parties kind of going and working right. with people trying to set something up like that. Um, but I, I feel for people because on, one of the reasons that I left that other contract job for IT was because of I was worried that they were going to mandate all government contractors to get vaccinated. And yeah. I'm not I don't. I'm not about it yet. I'm not anti-vax or anything like that. I got all my shots as a kid and I think that those helped yeah. me a lot, but I think there's something weird going on about with this well, and I'm just muting it out. Well, you're, you're just pro freedom, pro making your own choices about what's put in your too. body. I mean, come mm -hmm. on, it, it does it's not yeah. complicated. So yeah, yeah. I mean, anti-vax stuff is used as a weapon against people that are trying to be sovereign individuals so they can piss off you know whatever so i don't yeah, care 100 <laughs> yeah i'm i'm texting they can just whatever screw you yeah. <laughs> so it seems like you love colorado okay you do do you snow ski or snowboard um, I took two ski lessons when I first moved here and then um, the pandemic hit. So I, I couldn't go because they kind of shut it down for a while and it rolled over to the next year, but I didn't get to go again. But this year I've made some friends who are going to teach me how to do it, lend me some of their boards and I'm going to do, do snowboarding going forward. Are you? Um, yeah, I think it looks cooler in pictures. <laughs> it is. No, it's totally, it, it, both of them are awesome. I'm a skier. Yeah. I, I was an international certified ski, uh, ski instructor. I started skiing when I was really young. Yeah. I just never wanted to take the, I didn't want to not ski because I didn't want to learn something new, but snowboarding is badass. I mean, it's, it's, it is, you're surfing, it, and, you know, kind of like surfing, but it is, you're just, you know, you're cutting, you're just, you're gliding on the snow and it's, it is cool. It, it's a blast last but i you know i'm a i'm a purist i'm a i'm a skier and so but anyways well you okay you and um becca bitcoin becca need to uh she can teach you how to snowboard through a podcast cool y'all yeah. can get on there and you know because you, you can you, you got to learn the basics and you you can do that in your living room you know you can get strapped up and she can teach you the weight distribution and how you know how you're going to do an arc and all that kind of stuff so you need to you need to train with bitcoin becca first so yeah i'll hit her up <laughs> you're right um what are the mountains close to you which one do you like which ones that are talked about the most these days that don't cost four hundred dollars um, for a lift ticket yeah so i did the icon pass which was pretty expensive but i went to eldora which was pretty nice it's a little bit smaller um mm -hmm. It's just got like the ski lift is right there. And then there's like one or two restaurants. And then I also went to Copper, which oh, is yeah. more like a little tiny town. Yeah. And then um, the ski lifts are a little bit further away. Uh, but that was pretty cool. I did um, one single lesson, which I enjoyed. And then I did a group lesson. And 
I definitely would prefer the one-on-one -on -one because when I did the group lesson, I could, I fell down and I couldn't figure out how to get back up. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of difficult when you have, you don't have it down. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny to say that, like I couldn't figure out how to stand up, but it's true. <laughs> so it is. Practice, practice that before you go out there in See, your living room. In your living room. There you have yes. it. Yes. That's the one. Whenever I taught and I, I instructed adults, it was hilarious because kids just, they can get up. They're made of rubber and everything. Right. So the first thing everybody, learned as an adult I would take away their poles <laughs> oh, good. and usually doing about 10 in a group and I'd just make everybody fall down and I just like get up yeah it's time to get up so <laughs> and you can't you know if you don't know how to do it it's going to be difficult so yeah there's yeah. A, there's a way to do it for sure <laughs> yeah it's it's paying attention to detail and it's technique it's leverage you know it's leverage talking about leverage how are you going to leverage bitcoin in in your future self what do you see i mean yes. what do you see in the future with you living on the bitcoin standard because i know yes. you're going to travel i mean mm -hmm. tell it so i'm gonna like i've been even before i got into bitcoin i was learning about different ways to invest money and, and live and there's there's like the fire method where you kind of live like more frugally and within your means and um i, I kind of see that as the future um uh i feel like i'll definitely be traveling a lot more i've i've thought about living out of a jeep for a while and just traveling around the us but mm -hmm. i'm not too sure after doing that one month road trip how that would exactly work maybe i'll just do it for like a month for right. fun um but I have been searching into that and I watched this really interesting video um, the other day that I put on my Twitter that uh, talks about how you can loan against your Bitcoin and then you can take out another loan to pay for that loan. And it just kind of goes through that and you keep building up your Bitcoin. And especially if you can um, put some of the loaned money into a passive income stream, like, you know, re real estate or some kind of business and you're getting more income from that, that's kind of ideal. But, you know, I think that industry needs to grow because you're lending out your keys. Right. And, you know, if that, if you don't have your keys, someone can just take it or something can go bad and you can lose all that money. And so I don't think that I would do it with all of my Bitcoin. Um, and it also just kind of depends on the price. I don't know where the price is going to go. I've heard a lot of people's predictions. You know, I've heard 2 million in a couple of years. So for me, I could live off of probably $24,000 or however sure. many a year and um, kind of live, live that way. Like, I feel like freedom is pretty important, but I also really love my job now. So I could see myself working there as long as we're doing conferences still or, um, if eventually, you know, four years down the line, they're not doing conferences, hopefully they are, you know what I mean? Um, but sure. there's always the magazine side too. And then they also have some other um, divisions as well at BTC Inc, including right. Carrot. Right. Carrot's an app that you can download and get free stats off of. Um, and so I feel like maybe I'll be doing that and I can focus on my blog a little bit more and do contract work like that. I always feel like I'm, I'll probably still be working in some capacity, but it'll be nice to take off more time right. too, in between. Um, but I feel like people could also just hodl their Bitcoin and use a little bit of it at certain periods of time because the value is just going to keep going up. Number go up forever, right? right. <laughs> Number go up, Laura. It goes up forever. <laughs> yeah. So there's a few options. I'm still 
exploring it. I'm still tweeting out and thank goodness people aren't canceling me because I'm asking certain questions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I see? I see when Bitcoin go up, you know, to a level that we're, we're pretty comfortable with and we can leverage it a little bit more depending on, of course, how much you've stacked. But whenever I was in the, in the technology space and I was younger, what I used to do is I used to work six months out of the year. I was a contractor as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I lived very frugally, uh, very minimalistically and everything like that. And I'd work six months out of the year, and then I'd travel six months out of the year. Yeah. And I see that as a lifestyle that's going to come back now because most people can't do that now because inflation, you know, the devaluing of the dollar because the dollar has no value anymore. Life is expensive, no matter what you're doing. If you're breathing air, it's going to get more expensive. And so I see that kind of uh, hippie kind of nomadic type of uh, traveling digital nomad. I see that Jack Kerouac kind of coming back in a way that people don't really understand. And, you know, somebody like you, you've kind of had a taste of it. And so think about this, you being able to work at, you know, Bitcoin magazine for, let's say two months, then you take two months off and then you take two months on two months off. You're not going to be worried about your salary, really, probably what you're going to be worried about is your freedom, like you said, and you're going to have that outlet, that creative outlet that you can still be very kind of progressive with within your own engineering of yourself and within the Bitcoin space, because it's going to change a lot. I mean, where is the value of the Bitcoin conversation going (laughs) whenever we're, you know, whatever, let's say 150,000 or 200,000, where is that conversation going? Because it's going to be a no brainer at that point in time that everybody in the world is going to be on the Bitcoin standard one of these days. And so you're going to have to stay ahead of that conversation as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of people um, going to the van life and traveling around. You see it a lot on Instagram and YouTube. And a lot of people are starting to to see that because housing prices are just inflating Uh and it's becoming out of reach for a lot of people. So they can like go live in a van for a few years and then afford a house, hopefully. (laughs) Right. Um, And yeah, I definitely see like Bitcoin going to 150 and then everything is just going to explode. Like, you know, it's going to create a whole new, uh, another industry here or while there's going to be, people out there to become Bitcoin advisors, that's going to suck, but that's going to happen. Um, You know, my, my suggestions to anybody out there right now that if you never owned a house or anything, buy land, don't buy a house, buy land. And then these Bitcoiners that are going to be able to drop out of whatever, there's so much talent in the Bitcoin space people that are engineers, people that are carpenters, people that got all these blue collar skill. You know, you look at somebody like uh, blue, uh, blue collar Bitcoin, um, the blue collar Bitcoin, you know, um, he, you know, I did a podcast with him and man, that guy's got some skill. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that just say, screw it to the fiat world here pretty soon. And so us at Bitcoiners, man, I think we need to buy land. We need to look at pure animal protein. You know, I'm, I'm all about the cow, of course. And, you know, we that's why I'm bringing food intelligence into the Bitcoin space in a way that I don't think that people have done right now. 
And the most important yeah. thing I think us Bitcoiners can do is buy that land, regenerative farming like Joel is doing with the untapped growth. Uh, we have the conversation going, the signal is strong. I think all of us just say, I'm not buying a house ever again. I'm going to build a house. Yeah. I'm going to build. I'm not going to buy anything. I'm going to acquire some land and then I'm going to husbandry that land in a way that it used to be before the fiat world destroyed it. So, you know, that's my thoughts. Yeah, it's important because on some of your other podcasts, you're talking about how a lot of it has changed too, like just the nutrition value of it. Right. Um, and that's really important. You don't know what they're going to start putting into the food because they're starting to mandate things. And then they have people like me that don't want to take the vaccine and they're going to figure out some other way to get it to me for whatever agenda that they've got going on. And um, it's important to know that your food is safe for you. Um, so homegrown is something that I'm starting to work on this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you say people don't know what's going in their food. You're right. I mean, I've talked about the grass rule. It's called, you know, and that's the FDA. Well, they just want a lawsuit to where they can put probably about a thousand new chemicals into our food supply and they don't have to tell what those chemicals are. And so as they're trying to destroy beef, what they're doing is developing a fake commodity that acts like protein, but it's not protein. It's not pure animal protein. Whenever you don't get pure animal protein, you get lazy, you get overweight, you get not as smart and not as intelligent. You don't have as much energy and all they're doing with the food system right now, they're doing it. It is by design and it's about to come down the pipe, you know? And so we really have to bring this conversation into everything right now, because this is not about being on a diet. This is not trying to be a health nut right now. I'm not a health nut. I'm just kind of a badass that eats steak. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's what the conversation we have to bring that because anybody that's you know been listening to my podcast and like i said that's one of the first things i saw with you you know whenever you were doing your travel blog that you were eating pure animal protein and i can't emphasize how important that is that we bring it into this conversation and you know bring it to the conference bring it to everything that we're talking about because if we don't nobody else is going to bring it into the conversation because they're already hijacked and they're captured by the nutrition industry and the diet industry are captured by a fake food commodity system and so you know like i said that's that's pretty cool that you're already a a beefy where was your favorite steak where where did you eat the favorite place um boulder steakhouse 360 um they had a really good steak they have like special truffle butter and all that stuff um right. i got the filet mignon and my my friend got the porterhouse steak and it was just seasoned perfectly that was that was that was top notch there there's no better way to eat, is there? There's, there's, it's yeah. just, yeah. So steak is my favorite for sure. Top. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So you're going to support the Texas beef initiative. Yeah. Yeah. I buy, I buy local from a butcher and um, I've been learning through your podcast and reading a bunch of articles and things like that. And that's, that's one question I wanted to ask is like, what can someone like me do to like help support 
Right now, uh, anybody out there, that's a really good question because what we're doing, we're building an index that people can access. And it's pretty hard because we're not using the USDA index because that's crap. What we're doing is we're scraping the internet and we're actually trying, it, it'll be a little bit too large at first, but what it is, it's gonna be an index of people that basically do do the grass-fed beef, that it is the good beef that you can access. So if there's anybody out there per Kit's question, if you're already buying beef, contact me, contact Kit now. <laughs> she'll, yeah. she'll forward the message. But what you can do, Kit, is talk about who you're buying your beef. You know, send out a tweet, you know, and then, you know, post them, advertise them for free right now, because a lot of people like there's people in Texas that do send uh, people in a different state that they can't find good beef. So what we have to do is we have to have the network effect right now. And so share your experience, talk about, you know, where you're getting it, what you're learning about it, um, what kind of farm ranch they are. Just, just kind of continue with the conversation and that, that becomes an algorithm with itself and, you know, hashtag Texas beef initiative. The hashtag is actually TX beef initiative. Start using that. We'll build that algorithm around that hashtag for everybody out there. If you're buying beef right now, do the hashtag TX beef initiative. And it doesn't have to be in Texas. I've got people right now I'm working with in Tennessee. Um, they have a great movement up there and uh, outside of Chattanooga, Chattanooga, sorry. And so it's it's starting to spread some people out in Virginia. They bought a half a cow the other day. We got some people in Florida and now you in Colorado, you know, we're going to spread this out and we're going to be able to scale it to other states, you know, and everybody can start saying this is how you go out and talk to your local beef producer you know do you uh do you go there in person or do you get it delivered how do you how do you source your how do you mine your protein um so i go to the butcher just um it's like 10 minutes away i go in there and i just pick the cut and right. it's, it's the best tasting beef ever like i used to get it from the grocery store and that's okay and then i also tried amazon fresh and that was the worst steak i've ever eaten and i i guess i shouldn't have been surprised right right <laughs> because who knows what they do with their beef um on amazon right but definitely going to the butcher in person being able to pick out your steak is it's nice you know, and they, they've got a bunch there. It's not like when you go to the grocery store and it's kind of like maybe something was on sale and it's kind of out or not. Um, right. They always seem like they're always stocked full. That's pretty cool because you know, a lot of people don't, and I'm going to have a hashtag called mine your protein, hashtag mine your protein. And what it, I own the URL to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a section in the uh, Texas Beef Initiative platform. And it is, it's going to be called mine your protein. And it's going to have a picture of a cow. It's going to have all the cuts of the cow. It's going to have a, how to cook, you know, a steak in so many different ways and how to talk to your butcher, you know, because there's there's so much to learn there. That's kind of exciting. And, you know, those butchers, they're they're not very there's not very many of them left right now. And the the idea of a butcher is going to change, too. And so what we have to do is we have to go out there and tell them how much they're appreciated. And because they if they screw up the food in ways that they already have i mean look at us as a country we're 78 percent obese or overweight yeah. one of two of us one out of two of us is either diabetic or pre-diabetic 
46% of our children are now overweight or obese. And so why is that? It's because we're not paying attention to the source of the seed anymore. So talking to your butcher is establishing that contact with them. It is intentional living. It is a decentralized way of living, just like Bitcoin is. And so the more that all of us in, you know, especially like you being here, you're already doing it. You know the importance of it. Just, just keep on the narrative, you know, just keep on shoving it out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way to become sovereign. I it mean, really is. Yeah. There's different countries out there right now that if you're not vaccinated, you can't go to the grocery store. Right. And yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> it is. And, you know, and we don't know, nobody's, you know, knock on wood, we're not going to say anything, but we have to look at that right now saying, if I can't go to the grocery store, I have a good relationship with my butcher. You know, yeah. and yeah, so there, you have some way. right. Mm -hmm. So sourcing your protein, mining your protein is going to change, I believe, if you want the good stuff, because what they're going to try to do is turn beef into caviar. That's their agenda here, you know, because they're going to price it out of the market. I tell you what, if we get uh, local producers on the Bitcoin standard, price of beef will go down. Yes. Oh my God. That'd be exciting. <laughs> Think about that. It's say, I don't need, I don't need this processor. I don't need JBS. I don't need Cargill anymore. I'm going to process my own beef. I'm on the Bitcoin standard and actually, you know what? I can actually be twice as not twice. I'll say 20% cheaper than, to, than the fiat world. I see that coming. And once the ranchers start figuring that out after we've onboarded them and orange pilled every cattle producer in the United States, that's how we win this. That's how yes. we win our food supply that they're trying to destroy right now. That's when the regenerative farming comes back. That's when the grass, grass comes back. That's when, you know, Joel with untapped starts having massive success. So it's, it's coming. We've got, we've got the, um, We've got the roadmap and it's very exciting. It is exciting because even from there, it everyone gets stronger because they do you know, weightlifting. You need protein to build those muscles up. And yeah. 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 I mean, people don't realize you don't lose weight by dieting. You lose weight by lifting weights. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize that you don't lose weight by running. You actually yeah. have to break down your muscle tissue to have it grow back. It needs to burn fat as it's growing as muscle tissue and you're growing yeah. your muscle. You don't have, you're not going to get buff. You, you know, you work out, you, you're not buff. Are you? You're just kind of yeah. fit, right? You're kind of yeah. fit. <laughs> so, you know, people with fit kit, but people, you know, think that, Oh, I can't lift weights, you know, especially women, you know, they, I can't lift weights. Well, that's, that's a lie. I mean, if you really want to lose weight, if you want to lose 10, 15 pounds, whatever it is, you lift weights and you eat protein. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the social media or the media just like told women that they're they're going to like look like these crazy steroid people. And that's not true. You have to take steroids and work at it like four hours a day in the gym. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's like impossible. That. You know, it's impossible to get like that. And it's, ama it's amazing because now they're saying that uh, men that eat too much beef are suffering from masculinity stress. <laughs> Oh my did you see that? Did you see that one? It came out, I think it was today or yesterday or something like that. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the PSYOP is real. They're, they're trying to kill the cow in ways that we don't want them to kill the cow. We want to be nice to the cow. We want to raise the cow in the proper humane way that has a very 
very rewarding life. And then we want to honor that cow, cow by consuming that cow and making it making us stronger in mind, body, and spirit. So, so yeah. tell, so tell me the future of Kit in the next 12 months. So right now I'm really focused on meeting a bunch of people through meetup app. Um, right. I've been going hiking other day. Um, I recently, recently through a Bitcoin meetup with Casa. So that was really cool. So I'm, I'm networking within, um, the community here for that. Um, that's really my focus, um, is spreading Bitcoin through digital marketing with the conference side and then meeting as many people as I possibly can while I'm in Colorado. So I can explore a lot more here. How long are you going to be in Miami? Um, I think we're going to be there like a week or so. Really? That's gonna Yeah, cool. we're going to fly in a little bit earlier, maybe like on the third to kind of get everything set up and ready. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I haven't bought my tickets yet. You sent me the coupon code, but I haven't used it yet. I've been a very busy boy. So um, I'm hoping, um, do you ever plan to make it to Texas? Yes. Yeah, Austin, definitely. Austin, yeah. Dallas, Houston. What is it? Probably be Austin, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to Bitblock Boom a few mm -hmm. months ago. And okay. that was in Austin. Um, so definitely would check that out again next year. And um, there's a great Bitcoin community there. So I definitely, um, yeah, definitely. be checking it out for sure. Yeah, we've got the uh, the block party coming up on December 2nd. So make sure you pay attention to that because that's going to be all about the Oshi app and, yeah. you know, the Capital Factory and Kyle Murphy's heading that up uh, at the Bitcoin bomb. Uh, he, he's doing amazing stuff down there in Austin. So um, on that note, Kit, it's been a pleasure. It's been um, I've been looking forward to this because one thing that, you know, was your traveling, your love of beef, uh, your big smile, your success that you're having. Uh, one thing, are you going to buy the Jeep or not? Are you going to get off the fence and just buy the damn Jeep? I think so. I, okay. So if Bitcoin <laughs> like plummets to 35, I'm going to sell my car and just buy Bitcoin with it. And uh, then I'll be, I'll, I'll have to figure something out else out to get the Jeep. Um, yeah. but it's, you know, opportunity costs with the, either buy Bitcoin or buy the Jeep right now. That's so tough. It's really tough. It's very That's, tough. It is. I mean, it is. It's that existential dilemma that we have to live with every day. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can uh, find somebody. Uh, hey, anybody out there has got an old Jeep that wants to sell for cheap, that you put some nice tires and rims on it, uh, kit, kit needs a Jeep. So, yeah. you know, hook, hook her up, please. Yes, please. Thanks. Because she really loves Jeeps and she needs one. She went, did you rent a Jeep or did you just go out there and hang out with the guys? I did. I rented a Jeep and then I went down um, towards the sand dunes and I did some sand surfing out there. So that was really cool. Highly is, recommend sand surfing. That was right. an experience for sure. You know, I, I used to love Jeeps and I have a story about Jeeps. I had a Jeep for years and years and I drove it around the country. I drive it up to the mountains when I go ski and truck. One year I did 140 out of 144 days. I had a really cool Jeep Wrangler. I love that thing. And I was kind of worn out. Um, I was pretty exhausted for the season. But after the season, what we do is go cut timber for a couple of weeks and make some extra cash. Well, I was going down this mountain road and it was in the old gold mining town. 
and it was getting late and I, I can't remember because there, there was a car wreck. I ended up going into a ravine. I flipped like 10 times and um, I broke my neck and I had to be airlifted out and I had to be airlifted to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Well, I killed my Jeep and um, it wasn't intentional. And I've been very sad ever since. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, I, I'm alive, so that's all that matters. Yes. You know, I, yeah. I, I've kind of had a rough and tumble life, but um, but my Jeep, it, it, it was a pancake after that. But it, the Jeep saved my life. That's my yeah. story. That's the moral of the story here. So yeah. I encourage you to get a Jeep and I'll help you in any way I can. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on how you can set up like a shower on it and yeah. all this other fun stuff. Um, yeah, you can it, pull, put drawers in the back and like pull it out and you can have storage and your cooking utensils and a burner and things like that. Oh, it's the way to live. I mean, it, it is. There's, it's, it's freedom 101, you know, Yeah, it's the way to go. So no, you're going to no get property there. tax on it when you're moving around all the time. There you have it. You know, it's perfect. <laughs> you can go anywhere you want to. You can go mm -hmm. all those mining roads there in Colorado. You just have hey, go out and do this, especially you, because you get out in the country all the time. So, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? It's a it's a Saturday night here and uh, this has been a great afternoon, Kit. And it's it's, it's it's great to finally meet you face to face through uh, the camera. We're going to meet in person, of course. I'm going to try to make it to Miami. If you're ever in Austin, let me know and I'll try to do a trip there whenever I do. And um, keep the uh, keep the dream alive and um, we'll see you in Twitter. OK, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. You bet. We'll talk to you later, okay? Like the show? Tell your friends or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Plus, subscribe to get three new episodes every week. Until next time, be awesome.